All right, today I've got a very special book of the day show. It's so good of a book. I downloaded it on my phone because I could not wait to get it. And I was able to get Kenna. She does not like to be on the camera. She's an INFJ, if you know of a personality type. So, uh, Kenna, how are you loving being on the camera as an introvert? I don't like it. <laughs> she doesn't like it. So, we're talking about the book. It's called Attached. Now, it's, there's a quiz you could take on the author's website. That's fascinating. I made Kenna take it twice. She got the same results both times. I took it. I got a crazy result on it. So, before we get started, just remember at the end of this, go take this test. Kenna, I gotta look over the camera. Okay, there we go. Kenna is not liking being on the camera. Kenna has a really good. It's getting hot in here. She, I just she, leave. she has a really good voice, but she won't sing. Will you sing for people? I try to take her out to karaoke bars and she won't do it. All right, ready? We're gonna do a little Star Spangled Banner. One and a two. Oh. <laughs> if you wanna see something funny, go watch the Carl Lewis national anthem. It's the greatest thing. The, the announcer starts out by saying, a man has to know his limitations. So I know my limitations. I might be able to get up here and talk about books, but I would not be able to have a successful singing career on uh, YouTube or a podcast. But Kenna will, right Kenna? No, she's so humble. All right, let's get started and talk about today's book of the day. I'm telling you, this book's so good. I did not know whether I should jump up and down because I found it, or I should like call every educator, teacher, parent, and say, why did you never tell me about this book? I wanted to be angry, but I'm gonna go with the happy emotions. Kenna keeps me happy, right Kenna? She's a pretty jolly person. Make sure you get around jolly and happy people. Uh, Anyway, are you laughing at my calling you jolly? All right, so uh, here we go. Let's talk about the book. So, welcome to today's show. I've got epic news for you, at least epic in my own mind, because every once in a while, I run into these books that literally floor me for whatever reason. Uh, I immediately either want to jump up and down with joy that I found such insight in one book, or I want to be furious, which is I alternate back and forth, that nobody in the world is talking about or has presented me this concept before. This has been, you know, sometimes I tell people, the best ideas are locked up with mad scientists and psychologists and engineers in the back room somewhere, and it's not getting out to the world. Instead, what's getting out of the world is you know, the Kardashian show and blah, 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 whatever, just, and then people are like, I can't wonder why, I, I can't figure out why my life's not doing that well. I'm like, I can. <laughs> you, you're, uh, what's the saying? Monkey do, monkey, monkey see, monkey do. You see dumb stuff, you do dumb stuff. That's how this thing goes down. But today, I'm gonna talk about a book. It's so good of a book, I didn't even wanna wait for it to come in the mail or I didn't even have time to go to the bookstore to get it, so I just downloaded it on my handy dandy. I got this new six, which is huge, but I love it, by the way. Some people have asked me, I think the six plus I have. So iBooks, I downloaded. It's called Attached. It's by a guy named Levine and Heller. Two 
psychologists that uh, study, they started out studying children, uh, how children cope and adjust to parenting and so on. But then they realized this theory they studied has application for you and I, or me, you and me, I think that's the correct grammar, uh, when it comes to romance. Remember, I talk about health, I talk about wealth, I talk about love, and I talk about happiness, the four pillars of life. That's what this show is about. Now, love I, is so big of a thing for humans because it's you could all-encompassing put it under the header of social, but love is friends, family, and romance. That's your three main social uh, groupings. Love is the hard one. Uh, I honest, I've asked this question before. You can try to answer it yourself. You know, what's harder, making a million dollars or finding uh, a powerful, engaging, romantic relationship? I would. I mean, it's different for different people. First of all, and this book shed light on that. So, here's the premise of this book. By the way, my answer is I think romance is hard. More people, it's easier to get wealthy because it doesn't have this kind of, uh, you know, element of romance is so important because it leads to children that our brain has tuned in so many little signaling areas that make us jealous, that make us joyful when we're in a good moment in a good relationship that make us literally, this book talks about it, when you're breaking up with somebody you were attached to, it's the same activation in the brain as when you break your leg. That much pain. There's levels of addiction when it comes to romance where people display the same attributes that a cocaine or heroin or you know, uh, drug addict, alcoholic would exhibit in terms of regressing and all this. So here we are with this brain and uh, it goes haywire on us a lot. Remember, it's not really going haywire. It's doing its thing. Your brain is very good. Even think of someone even you think's not very smart. They're pretty smart compared to, you know, a CNM, uh, an enemy or a squid or something, humans are all pretty smart, even the least smart of us. And when it comes to certain subjects, your brain, especially romance, is like a computer. It's a machine. But the problem is the machine doesn't always have your best interests at heart. This book attached, today's book of the day, is going to shed light on something. And all I can say is you must buy this book. It's just that plain and simple. I would put it in the romance category as the best book I've read this year, possibly for, I don't know, for a while. Okay, and I don't say that lightly. I read three, four hundred books a year, so I'm not saying that, you know, after only reading one other book or something. This thing is no joke. So let me give you the quick premise. By the way, should be a button here. Buy the book. I'm going to have a special... I'm reaching out to these authors, so if you buy the book from me, as soon as I can get them on the phone or get them on uh, you know, an interview, you're going to get access to the video uh, interview. You're also going to get access to my 
bonuses like speed reading, how to read, smart reading, I call it. It's better than speed reading. All that free. So you get the book for about the same price as if you get anywhere else, ship it to you just about anywhere in the world. And uh, you get all these bonuses worth at least like 100 or 200 bucks. So you're actually making money buying the book in terms of the value. So here's the premise of the book. The premise of the book is that in the past, we've heard, get, been given a lot of romance advice by magazines, books, maybe parents. Some of the advice is don't be too needy, don't be too clingy. You may have heard that before. Or you have to love yourself first before you can love other people. So you need strong independence. Uh, don't be jealous. Um, People who are not married, there's something wrong with them. All of these things you may have heard. Now, what this book says, and it's based on not just these two uh, researchers' work, but on a vast body of work in the community, the psychological community called attachment theory. Now, what attachment theory basically says, uh, specifically with this book, is that there's three types of people. You me, maybe who you're dating or married to, falls into one of these three. The first is secure. This is a style, by the way. It's not a judgment. There are people who are secure, number one. There are people who are anxious. That is number two. And there's number three, people who are avoidant. Now, here's the good news. Uh, Each of those exist for a reason. Let that sink in. In the past, you've been told everyone should just be secure. So a secure person, you know, they have non-dramatic relationships. They're pretty straightforward in what they say. They're like, hey, I like you, you like me. They don't really play games. They're not super jealous. They're kind of balanced, you know. Uh, They go on generally to have long relationships and this book says the research shows about 50% of people walking the planet, 7.1-2.2 billion people today are secure, naturally secure. Now, I'm going to get in later, this book gets into why are some people that way. Now, they touch on this a bit but Based on other research that, I, that you've read and I've read, it's pretty common sense. Some of this is nature, meaning you were born that way. Your natural genetic makeup gives you a propensity to be secure. And some of us have had things in quote-unquote nurturing, meaning how we were raised, the environment that may have adjusted that. Okay, so the second category is anxious. These are people who feel, maybe you've dated someone or seen somebody like this, they're a little more worried that they're always going to, you know, something's going to go wrong. They're a little neurotic. They are more jealous, more insecure in the relationship. They're kind of, they need somebody with them all the time. That may be you. And you've often been told that that's something wrong, that that's indicative that you have some problem. But you know why I love books? Is because if you want to be set free, and I'm going to put it that dramatic, if you want to be set free, you must listen to the sharpest people on the planet. 
period. You'll occasionally people see people pop in and leave comments on my YouTube channel or this about how no, it's not about books, Ty. You just should be, what's the word? Uh, you should just do live your life. Just don't listen. Ignore people saying foolish things. You know, I found on my Instagram this picture. Uh, I wish I, maybe I'll pop it up here on the screen. And it shows <clears throat> a picture of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates laughing on a private jet flying somewhere. And I was thinking, these two guys are on top of the world. Now, you might hate them. A lot of people, that's the delusional mentality they live in. When someone do, does better than them, they're nothing but haters. I read an interesting article once, I think, in National Geographic about the five reactions people have to other people's success, right? Number one is, well, they probably were just born that way. Or number two, no, 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 they did something unethical to get that. Or number three, you know, they, they harmed somebody. I forget all five. But, oh, number four is... Uh, what was that? Anyway, I can't remember. There are all these delusional reasons. You know what people couldn't cope with? Well, maybe they just did stuff better than I did. You never be like that. Let everybody else be off in la-la land delusion world. You and me, let's be excited that Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are on top of the world. Because that means if we do the stuff they did, we can be too. That's how I look at it. Why be a hater? The world already has haters, and I get it. Just like this book talks about the three types of people and so on, there's multiple types of people's reaction, five types, to the success of others. You be the sixth type, the person who gets excited and goes and makes those people their mentors. Right? What's the saying go? Don't hate, appreciate. Appreciate that we live in a world where you can have upward mobility. And what I thought was so interesting that picture of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates in this private jet talking and laughing is that they both read, well, Warren Buffett reads eight hours a day. Bill Gates takes reading vacations. You see these stacks of books? He takes stacks of books he hadn't been able to catch up and for a week or two just reads. Appreciate. That's how you get up. That's where upward mobility comes from. It's not going to come from the government. I got a lesson for you. The government is fine. I'm not anti-government. But you think the government loves you more than you love you? No. If you believe that, you're a fool. So don't be a fool. Who will love you more than you? Nobody. Even your mom only has 50% of your DNA. That's why moms don't always do stuff in your own best interest. Neither do dads. Look at the world. Do dads always do things in their kids' best interest? No. They only have 50% of their DNA. They're more likely to, but you have 100% of your DNA. There's one exception. If you have an identical twin, they have 100% of your DNA. So you'll probably, I just had some friends, if you look on my Instagram, they're two girls and they're, they're uh, twins, identical twins. And they love each other about as much as they love themselves. So that's an exception. I'll make that exception. So back to the book about to set you free like this book set me free. And this book will set you free from the group think, the nonsense in the world. If you're an anxious person, it's okay. If you're clingy, it's okay. Pat yourself on the back. 
because this book talks about it's a strategy throughout history for our DNA for not everybody to have been secure. 50%, which is the most common uh, type, is the secure. Because in general, having long-lasting bonds and relationships, the book says, has been a strategy that worked well throughout history. If you lived in a world where there's bubonic plague in the Middle Ages, and vast swaths of humanity was being wiped off the planet, you having the ability mentally to have attachment, so there's various hormones in your brain like oxytocin, things like this, that make you settle down for with one person, you had an advantage. You're more likely to have given birth to more kids that survived. And you and I are the offspring of great-great-great-great-grandparents that took survival strategies that worked, and one of them was to be secure. But you know what? Evolution never wanted everybody to be the same way. Our genes don't want us to all be the same. Because to survive, what if there's an environment uh, in which, well, if you study game theory, this book doesn't talk about it. If everybody's secure, there will inevitably, and this is in economics, they call this kind of the cartel effect, where the reason cartels, monopolies often break up. Cartel is a, not really a monopoly, but it's a group like the OPEC, the oil cartel. They break up because one person cheats. They're secure groups of people. But one person will take advantage of the security and the trustingness of the other people in the cartel. So in a way, a relationship is a cartel. You and another person. In an ideal world, you're both secure and you're both trusting each other. But sometimes, as you could see, it leaves the doors wide open for one person to take advantage of the trust of others. And guess what? Maybe cheat. Maybe have kids or get pregnant by another man. So we are not descended from parents and great-great-grandparents who are always secure, and it's okay. Because there's this second type called anxious people. In society, anxious people keep things honest. Sometimes you'll see on my YouTube comments or various comments, you see people who like what I do, love what I do, some of them. And then you see people critiquing me, and they... Now, this is not, we're obviously not in a romantic relationship on YouTube comments, but they are more of that anxious, distrusting type. And they serve a purpose. They keep people honest by you knowing that, hey, if you don't stay on the straight level, somebody's going to call you out, and they're necessary in a society. You see that. Sometimes they're annoying because they overreact and they're over-anxious. Okay, they're over-jealous. But just understand, what exists in the world exists for a reason. So don't dismiss it. We live in a dismissive world. Oh, because people don't operate from a position of knowledge. They operate from a position of their gut feeling. And gut feelings are overrated. Never forget that. Gut feelings are overrated. Beliefs are overrated. Like Nietzsche says, convictions are greater enemies of the truth than lies. Convictions are what pe make people do terrible things. That attack on that school in Pakistan where all these militants stormed the school and shot all these kids, they had convictions that they were doing the right thing, but the world doesn't always get better because of convictions. When you meet people who are like, well, I really believe in what I believe, I'm like, well, that attitude's the root of all evil, my friend. It ain't money that's the root of all evil. It's your convictions that are ungrounded and unflexible, inflexible. 
to the rising tide of information available to us that can make us smarter, more enlightened. You be that person. You let the rest of the world do their thing. Now, these anxious people is the second category. There's a third category. And that third category uh, is called avoidant. Avoidant people are people we all know. They move, they, they get freaked out if there's too much intimacy, if people get too close. They need lots of space. They need lots of independence. They don't really want to be in a relationship. They date a lot, maybe they move around a lot. And once again, these group of people get a lot of flack. A lot of flack that there's something wrong with them. But avoidance strategies were passed on through our DNA to some of us. So the secure is about 50%. The anxious is about, I think, 20-ish percent. And so, and the, uh, the avoidant is about 20. And then there's some gray area there with the remaining percent, percentage of people who are kind of hybrids between them. Uh, and that last category is avoidant. And that exists in some of 20% of the population's brain because there was times in history where there was vast, let's say the bubonic plague, where a lot of people died and you had to learn to be independent. If you got too attached to people, it could be to your disadvantage. So mixed in the DNA, coursing through your body as we speak, is the genes that descended from some avoidant people, some people who survived by avoiding intimacy. You may have a predominant amount of the, that propensity in your body. You can beat yourself up. You can try to be like everybody who's secure, but we are what we are. And as I talk about, if you're not in my 67 Steps program, make sure you take the 67-day challenge to rewire your habits and brain. And one of them that I talk about uh, is the 5% tweak. So one of the takeaways for me from this book, the authors didn't say it this way, is like, we can't completely cross the lines into a new category, but we're also not completely dictated by our DNA and our genes. You and I have the ability to rise above our genes. And those things that we don't like about the anxious personality, if that's ours, or the avoidant, if that's ours, uh, we can tweak some of it and learn to adjust and learn to buffer and buff out, I should say, the weak parts the parts that don't serve us well. Because the avoidant personality and the anxious personality, although they exist for a survival reason, they don't always do us good in the world that we live in. And particularly, this book talks about there are um, angles or matches that don't do so well. So if you are an anxious person, you often will be attracted to an avoidant which is your worst nightmare. Anxious people, meaning, oh, I didn't get a text. I didn't get a text back from this person. Oh man, I'm at work. Well, maybe that, maybe that means, you know, because anxious people usually go to negative thoughts. That's how they survive. Oh man, well, they're not texting me back. Maybe they're dating, they're on a date with someone else. They're not calling me. Or, or then an anxious person plays games. An avoidant person plays games with you if you're anxious. They take advantage of your clinginess by playing games like acting real lovey-dovey, but when they leave, then acting real distant. This book, by the way, you can download it on your phone, or, or I recommend buying the book. I'm going to be buying a whole bunch of these for presents and sending them out. Uh, 
you'll see common characteristics of every one of these. And you'll notice there's a little test on the website. I think it's called a, 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 a attachment book or something. Just Google it and there's a little test. What is your test? So if you're watching this recorded, if you're not watching this live, put that uh, as a comment. If you're listening to it on my podcast, let's leave it as a review. Talk about what are you? Know thyself. Oracle Adelphi, the very fundamental of the good life. Going back to Plato and Socrates. You don't know yourself, you're not going anywhere. As the art of war, Sun Tzu said, if you don't know yourself and you don't know the enemy, for every battle you, uh, you will lose every battle. He says, if you only know yourself but not the enemy, for every battle you win, you will lose one. One step forward, one step back. You don't want that. But he says, if you know yourself and you know your enemy, your competition, for every battle, you never have to be afraid, he says. And so as you go through life, you got to know yourself. But you have to know, like this book talks about, the other strategies that other humans have. Because if you're an anxious person, you're better off generally with a secure person. Instead of trying to change yourself and going, well, I'm going to be less needy. What's wrong with needing to be in a relationship? This is a myth of our time. The myth of the lone warrior that goes off to do great things. In fact, the average multimillionaire was married very young. You see here in Hollywood people going, well, I, uh, you know, I like relationships, but I'm not going to go into one because that's going to hold me back. Who, who comes up with these theories? I know people who don't read, people who don't have mentors, people who don't go to seminars, people who don't invest in themselves, people who don't listen to audiobooks. People don't, you don't listen to those people because they they're the blind leading the blind. You want to be blind? Be led by the blind. You want to fall off a cliff? Be led by blind people. Just You don't have to look down on them. They're on their own path. They'll figure it out one day. They'll fall off a little cliff, break their ankle a few times, and then go, ooh, I need to pick up a book too. I need an in-person mentor. I need a seminar. I need a course. I need to double down on my brain. But you don't fall into that. That's my advice for myself. I'm just sharing on this show my advice to myself. So don't feel like I'm talking down to you. This is advice to myself. If, you, if this camera didn't exist, I'd still be reading these books. I don't read these books so I can tell other people what to do. It's just cool to be able to share because it actually, I know myself, I learn by in the Myers-Briggs personality type, I'm an E, an extrovert. Extroverts have their ideas, uh, catalysts for their ideas are exchanging and talking with people like I'm talking with you now. That's why I'm like, leave me comments. I love them. Can't always answer all of them. I'm starting to get, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, a lot of comments. So I can't always answer, but... Nonetheless, interact is great. You'll talk with other people. So, if you're that an more anxious, clingy person, sure, you need, to, you need to take care of a few things. You can take this to an extreme. You can be overly jealous. But the better solution, as Joel Salatin used to say, better than willpower is changing the environment or the system. So the system that's best for you as an anxious person is not to date someone who doesn't write you back who doesn't appreciate how you feel as an anxious person, who is like, oh, you're so clingy. Ah. That's a good sign, as this book talks about. Look for the early warning signs. You ain't going to change them. You know, you always hear about people going, oh, I'm going to change my, the person I'm dating. Well, listen, I've learned. Anytime you read millions of people saying their same disaster story, don't do the disaster story. People are like, Ty, how do you become a millionaire? I'm like, well, you read all the disaster stories, then you don't do that. 
That's called inversion of logic. It's not how you become a millionaire. It's don't become poor. What are the things that make people poor? Well, Charlie Munger says sloth and unreliability, laziness, and not being able to stick to something. That's what I tell if you're in the 67 step program, go through all 67 steps. It's not the point is not to stroke my ego that you went through all 60. The point is, can you stick to something? Because you want to be poor? I got the guaranteed formula for you. Listen to the blind. Be led by the blind, leading the blind. Uh, be unreliable. Start stuff and never finish it. Be so lazy, slothful that you never even start stuff. There you go. I got the guaranteed poverty formula. And now this book talks about you want to have good romantic relationships, and I think this applies even beyond romantic relationships, but specifically romantic, well, it's good. Date or marry the wrong category. You're, you're setting yourself up to be another stat. You want to be a great statistic on the planet? You want to be another broken home? Not that all divorces is bad. I'm not saying that. But there are bad broken homes and bad marriages. And the people in them and the people observing them are like, yep, that's a bad one. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to pull punches on this show just because sometimes people get offended. I'm going to say it in a non-disparaging way. There's bad ones. You've had one. I've had one, I'm sure. Maybe you've been lucky enough to not have one. Joel Salton was smart enough or, or lucky enough to meet Teresa, his wife, when they were both in school and love at first sight, and they've been married for whatever, 40 years. Uh, but you and I may not in the modern world quite have that. The Amish have that. So we're gonna, you're going to go through some dating experiences. Look for the warning signs. If you're an avoidant person, also, don't date an anxious person because they're going to drive you away by their clinginess. So the cool thing in this book is that basically everybody in a relationship should have a secure person. And the cool thing, there was research in there that people, uh, that the quality of a relationship, because you would think two secure people would be the best, and they did find that. The best from the standpoint of, you know, staying together in a harmonious relationship for the longest period of time. So two secure people tend to do the best. But they actually found if one, only one was secure and the other was either anxious or uh, avoidant, that the quality of that relationship was almost identical to two secure people. So... Nature has blessed us with the majority of people being secure. One of the things that it says is we often meet a secure person. If you're avoidant or an anxious person, sometimes when you meet secure, you'll be bored because there's activation systems and deactivation systems that the book talks about. If you're anxious or avoidant, you're kind of like a drug addict. You need the high of the drama. But it's kind of like a drug addiction. It leaves you with a hangover if you drink too much the night before. And so people who are addicted to the highs of the drama of being an anxious and dating an avoidant or being an avoidant and dating another avoidant or an anxious dating another anxious, that's also not ideal, this book says. You need the stabilizing effect of a secure. And like I said, nature has been kind to you and I. You could say the universe or God has been kind to us in giving the majority, giving us a world where the majority of the people will be secure. You just can't overlook the opportunity as you look. This book says some people have bought into this feeling of the one, right? And in doing so, 
they often miss the right person. We all know somebody, some guy or some girl, who's in love with a horrible relationship with a horrible person who abuses them physically or mentally or whatever way. And yet they stay there, and this book explains it. It's the chemical addiction. And just like some people are more likely to become drug addicts or like Native Americans are more likely to become alcoholics because they're missing a gene that allows them to kind of, that buffers the effects of alcohol. Uh, so if you're Native American and you have that propensity, stay away from liquor. It's that simple. You know, if you're a, there's different types of body types. There's endomorph, ectomorph, and mesomorph. Endomorphs are those people you know. Maybe you're one of them who are naturally a little bit stockier. Good news is you can put on muscle real easy. A lot of the top bodybuilders. But the bad news is you're always going to have to be a little careful around food because you can eat a lot of food. And you're the type that can get chubby and have all the high blood pressure and all the uh, health, uh, health problems. So you got to know yourself. Let me read you something fascinating. If I can find it. If I, can, I, I highlighted the whole freaking book. It's amazing. Uh, for those of you who are, let's say, anxious, okay, there's some characteristics that you will have. <clears throat> now, oh, let me first say, if you're an avoidant person, that's the third category, you might think, I'm not ready to commit. You focus on small imperfections in the partner. You pine or dream about an ex-boyfriend. They call it the phantom ex. You flirt with others, even when you're in a relationship. You don't say I love you while implying you do have feelings. You pull away when things are going well. You form relationships with an impossible future, some of someone who's married. You check out mentally when your partner's talking to you. You keep secrets. You avoid physical closeness. These are avoidance. That's called deactivating strategies. And this book goes into the actual, what I love about it is the actual mental uh, and, and physical scientific reasons that this exists. So for example, it is believed that each attachment style evolved in order to increase the survival chances of humans in a particular environment. The secure attachment style has worked best because throughout history our ancestors lived predominantly in close-knit groups where working together was by far the best way to secure their future and that of their offspring. To ensure the survival of the species under any condition that might arise, however, more than one strategy was called necessary. For those born into hostile conditions in which a large number perished from hunger, disease, or natural disaster, skills other than collaborative ones became more important. Those individuals who were able to detach and be self-sufficient, the avoidant types, by the way, were more successful at competing for limited resources in these extreme environments, and so a segment of the population leaned toward an avoidant attachment style. Unfortunately, the survival advantage for the human race does not necessarily translate into an advantage for the avoidant individual. See, if you're not careful, you just be in the cog of the evolutionary machine and you won't be rising above. So it might be advantageous for the group for you to be an avoidant style, but you, in your pursuit of personal happiness, can often suffer if you let these extremes take too much of a uh, stronghold on you. It says the good news is you don't have to be that way. You don't have to be a slave to for your evolutionary forces. You can learn what does not come naturally to you and develop and improve your chances at developing a uh, rewarding relationship. Now, <clears throat> for anxious people, this is interesting for those of you. It talks about how you 
naturally pull, gravitationally pull towards the avoidant. Now, listen to this. Have you ever been this person or been around this person? It says that anxious people have what they call protest behaviors. So when they're not, when if you're a naturally attached person, you're kind of clingy, you need a relationship. When you're not getting what you need because you're dating the wrong type, which is the avoidant, uh, you'll start protesting. Maybe excessive attempts to reestablish contact, calling, texting, or emailing many times. Maybe you've had this done to you or you've been the one doing it. Withdrawing, sitting, sitting silently engrossed in the paper, literally turning your back on your partner, keeping score, paying attention to how long it took them to return your phone call and waiting just as long to return theirs, waiting for them to, to make their first makeup move, acting hostile, threatening to leave, making threats. We're not getting along. I don't think I can do this anymore. I knew we weren't really right for each other. Manipulations, acting busy or unapproachable, ignoring phone calls, saying you have plans when you don't, making him or her feel jealous. Ever done that to someone or had it done to you? These are all protest behaviors. This book is going to change your life. Now, this book is for those of you who are single and for those of you in either you know, dating or marriage relationship. Read this book. I'm telling you. You watch my shows. I don't every show say this is the best book on the subject I've read this year. This is the best book I've read this year and possibly longer on romantic relationships from the angle of practical things you can do. Now, I love Dr. David Buss, but he's not just about romance. He's about you know human behavior. So I think Dr. David Buss's stuff uh, is my favorite on human behavior in general, on the whole social game, but specifically on just love and relationships, this is the best I've read. Now, I want to throw out one caveat. This book, and by no means, is the exhaustive only way you should understand relationships. It's research, it's science, it's continually getting better, so don't get too attached to everything here. But the gist of it is strong, and the gist of it is backed up, and you will recognize yourself in this. So remember, the takeaway is, number one, you can only change so much. Number two, nature, universe, God has made three different types of general groups of people. And like I said, rule number one is you must know yourself and you can't completely change yourself. The third rule is that the key then becomes not being extreme in any of those, especially the avoidant or the anxious. The fourth takeaway is it's not so much always about changing yourself. It's about finding the complementary match, as Casanova said. It, to be persuasive, it was about knowing the person you were talking to, which, of course, necessarily means you must know yourself so you can react to that. And so if you're an avoidant or an anxious, in general, you need a secure person. So the fifth takeaway is, in general, everybody, no matter your natural personality type, should have, there should be at least one secure person in the relationship. And I think this applies not just for romance, but I think it applies for business partners and friends too. Um, okay, so last but not least, the big takeaway from here is, if you get this wrong, you will experience pain that is identical in the brain. You'll light up areas of your brain that are as painful as breaking a bone. Meaning, it's unavoidable 
to feel this pain. You will not be able to come some enlightened being who rises above and feels no pain. You won't be able to meditate your way out of this. You won't be able to be strong, independent, and oh, I don't care, and you must love yourself before you can love anybody. Well, when I read stuff like that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the world we live in. Oversimplification, forgetting what Einstein said. The world, you must make things simple, but not simpler than they can be. Oversimplification is like conviction. It's dangerous. This book doesn't oversimplify. Now, it does bring some simplicity, but in general, the answers are a little more nuanced. That's why, as the ancient saying goes, if you are in a place right now where you are in pain in a relationship, either getting over somebody or in not the greatest relationship or lonely, the answers lie in a very simple formula that has existed for thousands of years. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. You see, books are part of the process of asking other people for advice, other wise people making war with a multitude of counselors. Seek, you gotta look. No one told me about this book, which kind of pisses me off, that I live in a world where there's such great knowledge but there's so few seekers that no one's going, hey, Ty, you got to read this book. But you be the seeker. I was the seeker. It took me, I was Googling the subject, and it took me about, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes of Googling and clicking different things around until I somehow stumbled upon this book. Seek. And then I sat down and I read this book in one sitting because you got to knock at the door of life. And what happens when you knock? The knock is answered eventually. So I want you to be that person. In every area, especially the four areas, you don't like your health, you're not asking, seeking, and knocking enough. It's that simple. You can be a lamenter. That's what the world is. Full of, oh, it's the government. It's the recession. No, it's always been the government and the recession. You don't get it. Government exists because of the human nature of humans is to not always do what in other people's best interests. Therefore, necessarily, logically, Government cannot fix it. It can only minimize it, but it can't fix it. So you can't look for the fixes there. There are, I'll tell you what will fix it. Knowledge, both in your brain and in the people you meet. That knowledge will, will raise people up. Government does not raise people up like people think. Government can, is necessary because it can stop gross injustice, but it doesn't stop the day-to-day -day problems that you have. Only asking, seeking, and knocking. Your life will be a direct proportional reflection of how much of an asker, a seeker, and a knocker you are. Don't blame your mom. Don't blame your upbringing. Don't blame your education. Don't blame the government. Don't blame the recession. Don't blame the banks. Don't blame Occupy Wall Street. Wall Street. Those people are all doing their things. They'll continue to do their things till you're dead. And they'll go on and on beyond because they look out for themselves. You look out for yourselves. You find allies, though, as this book talks about. I'm your ally, hopefully. You know, I don't know you necessarily, but you and I are allies. I share what I'm learning. I hope you'll share back. I learn tremendous as people 
recommend after I put that on my Twitter, if you're on my Twitter at Ty Lopez, tweet out to me the books that I can read that came from your asking and seeking and knocking. People, I find all kinds of good books. This guy just said me one today. He read my tweet and was like, hey, I heard you saying you don't know whether to be happy or mad that you found this great book attached. Here's a good book that changed my life. Do that with me. Let's be fair here, you know, an appeal to fairness. Millions of minutes of wa are watched in my videos. I see the YouTube stats and other. Millions of minutes that I'm sharing. Share back. Come on. We live in a world of takers. Should be give and take. Give back. Leave more comments. Talk with other people in my community. You know, go on my website, tylopez.com. There's lots of things there. Okay? So, should be a button here. Attached should pop up here uh, on the live or recording. If you're listening to this audio, you can go to my site or adding a section, my book deals. Like I said, get the book, might as well get it from me. I don't really make any money on it, by the way, uh, because I sell it about the same price you get it anywhere else and I throw all these bonuses in, these videos and stuff. So those actually you know, cost me money to deliver the videos because we deliver them in a content network. So it cost me some money to get you the videos. So, uh, I just do it because I want to be known for someone who spreads good ideas. That's my one sentence destiny. Make sure you know your one sentence destiny. This book is part of your one sentence destiny about love. Those of you who are avoidance or anxious, you're there for a reason. You can pat yourself on the back and go, you know what? As long as I get in a relationship with a secure person, I can be a little bit avoidant. I can be a little more of a loner. Because that secure person will be able to handle it and they will give me the space I need so it'll be healthy. And if you're a little more of the anxious type and you're clingy, get yourself a secure person. Why? Well, because then you can be a little clingy. It's okay that you need them to send you texts a couple times a day saying, hey, I miss you. They'll appreciate that sensitivity and they're secure with themselves. They're like, hey, if that person needs that, great. And you'll be happier and you as a unit will move forward through time more powerful than you would on your own. No man is an island, the great poem says. No woman is an island. Don't listen to the groupthink. Don't listen to the nonsense in the world that says that you can do it all alone. There's no evidence of this, and there's evidence to the contrary. Find your tribe, friends. Find those people out there that are your allies. Family. There's some people in your family you shouldn't be around. I don't know why this is like, people are like, well, they're my family. Well, great, so what? Someone does you wrong, they do you wrong. I do believe family gets more chances because they're your blood and it's just common sense. You're not gonna throw off somebody that's been naturally given to you as a potential ally. But there's a line that could be crossed with family, <laughs> period. Let's not, I don't even wanna go into a long explanation, but I wanna give you the confidence that there's people in your family you should just kinda cut off. You don't have to do it rude. You don't have to do it bizarre. You don't have to do it dramatic. If you're at a family reunion, you can shake their hand and be normal around them. But it doesn't mean you have to spend the majority of your life around them. And then, but there are people in your family you should double down on. You only need one good person in the family. Or two, that's enough. One cousin, one brother, one uncle, one mom, one dad. We live in a world where you aren't always offered every ideal opportunity to be allies with your family. You'll survive. In fact, orphans, read the stats on orphans. Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, they do all right for themselves. 
Humans are survivors. You can survive and cope, but you still need allies. That's why I got a great book I'll be talking on soon called Working Together by Michael Eisner, the former CEO of Disney. Talk chronicles how great people almost have survivors. I mean, I have partners. Bill Gates said, I never did anything alone. Warren Buffett has a partner. It just goes on and on. You need allies. Okay? So don't go at this alone. Don't believe the hype. Move forward with knowledge that came through asking, seeking, and knocking. Uh, make sure that you apply this to family, as I said. Understand that you will have people secure in your family. You will have people anxious that are kind of neurotic and weird relationship that play games. And you will have people who are avoidant, who are loners in your family. Stick as a rule of thumb with the secure ones first. <laughs> if you're a secure one, once you're secure, then you can reach out to some of the avoidance and the anxious. It's kind of like when you're in an airplane. It's a weird counterintuitive. They say, if the pressure drops in the cabin, put the mask on yourself first before you put it on your, uh, your children. Save yourself first because you can't save your children if you're passed out. So if your family relationships, save yourself first, then you can reach out to the anxious and avoidant people. In friendships and business partnerships, Go for the secure one. I have a video and a talk. If you haven't heard my show on the type of people you should avoid, I talk about this from another angle, not from this book, but I talk about similar conclusion. Insecure people give you insecure results, and us humans need security to survive at some level. That's why we like houses. You don't constantly, you're not nomadic wandering the plains of, you know, Kyrgyzstan trying to survive, like, or, you know, being a gypsy. We need some security in our life. We need some insecurity to drive us, but we need some security. So when it comes to your business partners, stick with the secure ones. I find the insecure ones screw you over in the end. And this book, Avoidant, of course, talks about the insecure person plays games and so does the avoidant because they're trying to maintain a certain... The, the insecure person plays games to draw you closer. The avoidant person plays games to keep distance. That's not great in a business setting. It ain't great. You want someone in the trench with you. You don't want someone playing a game. Life's our business is already a hard enough game. You're having to deal with millions of customers and die. It's not that, tr it's tricky. I talk about if some of you have been on my seminar, I'll try to pop up a button here. Join my next seminar. I do one called uh, How I Got a Million Customers and how you should, how you can too in a business from scratch. How you can make money, grow your business, grow a new idea or an existing one. One of those secrets is make sure you have secure employees and secure business partners. I, I, I sniff it out. This book calls, look for the smoke signals. Like, look for the smoke. You know, it's the saying goes, when there's smoke, there's fire, where you see little signs of insecurity or avoidant. So in business, I the avoidant is what I call the disloyal. So there's people, what I look for uh, in business particularly, uh, or even in friendships, and even in romance, I think it applies. Uh, I look for people who aren't insecure, because the insecure is the uh, anxious. They bounce around, they, they stick with you, and then yeah, they move on. Then I also look for signs of disloyal, or in this one we call it avoidant. And in this book, it's interesting, it said avoidant types are the most likely to cheat uh, in a romantic relationship. But I believe the same thing is in business or friendships. They're the most avoidant, give you the signals of like, hey, I'm working for you, because it's a job and it's money, I don't really care about what you're doing. That's the disloyal. You see the seeds in that very early. Just like this book says, 
But the avoidant in the very first couple of dates is like, well, if you're looking for love, you won't really find it from me. Now that signals some people start working harder, the anxious, and that's why you get these people chasing the wrong person that's never gonna happen. But in business, you see the same thing in business partners, you know, or employees. People will tell you up front and you're like, no, I'll turn them around once they're in my business, they'll see how great it is. No, they won't. So when you're doing your initial interviews or looking for business partners, look for signs, look for those secure people. One of the signals this book says for secure people is they just communicate directly. They're like, well, you know, I was looking at your business, coming in as a business partner employee. I liked your mission. I liked what you're doing. I tend to stick with businesses for a long time and uh, I could see myself here for a while. So, you know, I can't guarantee that I'll be here, but I, I feel good bond with you. That's secure. That's just straightforward. That's what you want. This book says in a friendship, that's what you want in a relationship. This book says look at past relationships. If you see their resume and they've been through 20 businesses and you know 20 jobs in 20 months, they're probably an avoidant. If you see somebody who's been in 50 you know, relationships, they might have avoidant tendencies. Now, if you're super secure, you might be able to hire them or date them or befriend them because you're so solid, but make sure you're solid. So I say if you're a startup business, it's a much more dangerous strategy because you're not secure as a business. You know, if you're new in an area, friendship-wise, you might not want to adopt that plan socially because you're insecure. If you're in a dating relationship and you're not totally secure with yourself, maybe you're, you grew up in a kind of crazy family with a lot of divorce or this, that, or betrayal, by the, you may want to not take the chance and be the pioneer of dating that insecure, uh, anxious, or avoidant type. See, the applications of this, it's just, I could talk for 10 hours on this. Because remember, social is intertwined with every part of your brain. Interesting, this book says, even the avoidant, which is the quote-unquote independent person, under stress becomes a non-avoidant. And the deal is, you and I are going to hit times in our life where there's tremendous stress. And you might be able to handle your life now alone. You might be able to handle your business now alone. You might be able to handle your social life without many friends now because everything's going along. But as John Wooden says, prepare for the rainy day. Or as Lao Tzu says, do what's difficult when it's easy because it's not easy to operate socially from a, period, a, a, a point of desperation. So when that comes and you have a disease or an accident or tragedy and you need a shoulder to lean on, you have to have an embedded relationship that's been cultivated already over the last one month, one year, 10 years. You need that long-term, because Jonathan Haidt calls that companionative love. That means you need experience and you need time in. Raw hours count. Just like Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule, or I prefer a rule, uh, artist called the 10 year rule, that you gotta have 10 years into something to really have a, a masterpiece in the same way with social life. You need to have some time in with people so you can accept, and we know now why, because our brain's wired to be gravitate towards areas of uh, companionative love. That's why family is such a strong bond. Beyond the fact that you share DNA, you share 50% of your DNA with your mom and dad, 25% with your uh, grandparents, you know, 12.5% with whatever, half-brothers or cousins or whatever. It goes down, so you have that genetic tie, but you also have time in with family. You know, your mom's known you longer than anybody, most likely. She gave birth to you. She was there on 
moment zero. So uh, that's why family should not should be given more chances because you don't want to discard companionship love. You don't want to discard 10,000 hours. You don't want to discard 10 years in with somebody. And that's why I say as you look for your business destiny and your career destiny, uh, you want to look at your one of the Eulerian destiny hints. If those of you who don't know what you're doing with your life, both health, wealth, love, and happiness, especially career, make sure you go in the 67 steps. There's a link here somewhere. I, I, it's, I charge almost nothing. It's a 67-day challenge where each day you'll receive a video where we're talking about the lessons I've learned from great mentors far beyond my knowledge and experience and wisdom, but I'm passing them through to you. It'll change your life. I'm on track to have about a million comments at this rate, positive in one year in this program. Okay? So stay uh, focused on the need to find your destiny. See, this book, Attachment by Heller and Levine, shows you that there's a natural propensity and destiny we have in relationships. If you're born anxious, your destiny is to get rid of some of the insecurity, but more importantly, find somebody who compliments you. If you're independent avoidant, that's your Eulerian destiny. You can tweak the destiny a bit, and that's why we talk about the five areas. For those of you, there's five questions you ask yourself. That way you'll know what career you should have. You'll know who you should marry. You'll know who you should befriend, who you should be business partner. You'll know how you should work out and lift weights or not lift weights. You'll know yourself when you know the five steps, the five hints that are available to every one of us. Life is short, people say, but Seneca says life is long if you know how to live it and if you know how to use it. You and I have enough darn time on this planet to get what we want. We just waste most of our time. And the waste is not always in what we do, it's in what we don't do. It's in the fact that I've wasted years by not having someone, I mean, don't even get me started on the modern education system. It makes me really want to spit. That's, it's like, you know how they say it's so mad you can spit? That's how I feel. I'm like, I need a freaking thing to spit in on this camera. I'm like, you telling me we get entrusted with kids. Hope, helpless people, right? When you're a kid, you were helpless. Literally, you could not even hold your head up when you were born. Parents, we were entrusted to, and some of you are parents, and you have kids entrusted to you, or maybe you have adopted people, or you're in the Big Brother program, or you have little brothers and sisters. You have people entrusted to your care. And the greatest knowledge to enable people to live an amazing life is shut up in books like this, that nobody reads. You think a million copies of this book attached were sold? No. How many copies of Harry Potter were sold? Lots. You know why? Because people just want to pass time. They don't want to live. So they just want to be entertained. I read somewhere, it was a great, it was a producer. I forget who it was. It wasn't Steven Spielberg, but somebody like that. And he was talking to somebody. He goes, you know, I realize people just want to be entertained. They don't want to think. They don't want to live a good life. They just want to, I call it uh, zombies chasing mirages. They just want to go, oh, you know, boom, 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 with their hands out like Frankenstein. Dong, dong. Just going from birth to death, passed along like, you know, swept here and there by the winds and the tides of life. Oh, this isn't going great for me. Oh, I'm broke. Oh, but what they don't want to do is grab 
grab the strings. Let me read something to you that I love. Kuntiki. Uh, and our educational system does the opposite. It literally makes us never want to read again. Never want to learn again. Instead of being like this, where Tor Heyerdahl, the Norwegian explorer, says, some people believe in fate, others don't. I do, and I don't. It may seem at times as if invisible fingers move us about like puppets on a string. But for sure, we are not born to be dragged along. We can grab the strings ourselves and adjust our course at every crossroad or take off at any little trail into the unknown. I want to leave you by saying there's a certain fate to your love, social, friends, family, and romantic life. But as Tor says, we are not meant to be dragged along. You can grab the strings. You can stop dating and befriending the wrong type of people. You can grab the, fra- the, the strings and adjust your course at the crossroad. Remember, today is the crossroad. I say this in a non-cheesy way. This isn't cheesy. There will be a day, as Tecumseh said. Don't be like those who, when it comes their time to die, weep and cry and pray for a little bit more time to live their life over again in a better way. No. He said, be like a hero. Go to your end of your days like a hero going home. We all love heroes. Who doesn't like Superman and Batman and Odysseus? The heroes in Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi and the heroes of our times. You be a hero. Don't be like the director and producer said. People just want to be entertained. You be the one. Who's the hero? Some of us have different propensities. Not all of us will be the next home, you know, Odysseus or, or the next uh, uh, titan of our times. But you want to get there? You want to live a life of meeting? You want to look back and be able to say, I went through life not passing time. Then you understand this, that today is a crossroads. As Seneca says, we live in our fears like we're mortal. We're afraid of every little thing. But he says when it comes to our desires, we act like our immortal. we're immortal. Oh, yeah, I got my 20-year goal, Ty. Oh, I got my New Year's resolution. You act like you're immortal. How do you know you're going to live to the new year? All I can guarantee you and all anyone can guarantee you is now. So life is at a crossroads. You've heard a talk like this? Buy the book now. I don't care if you, you can get it with me, but if you don't get it from me, I don't care. I'm not in this for the money. You go get it somewhere. And then you be enough of a hero because heroes do stuff when people aren't watching. You sit in a chair and as Charlie Munger calls it, assiduity. Put your ass in a chair and you sit there and you read this. And if you're too ADD to do it, well, guess what? You're not strung along like a puppet by your ADD. Rise above it. Richard Branson was born dyslexic. But he's like, oh, if I want to be rich, I better learn accounting and numbers and reading. And guess what? He wasn't like the puppet man who just said, well, I'm dyslexic. I can never learn. He figured out how he can learn in his own way 
and he knows all that he needs to know about learning. You be that person. Sit in a chair. Read. If you can't and hate reading, then you put the audio book and you put it on your headset and you go for a walk and you listen to it and you reliably, no sloth or unreliability. You won't like my videos if that's you. You might as well stop watching. In fact, you know, I'm getting a bigger and bigger audience. I don't need big audience. I'd rather you stop listening to me because you're like, I don't want to do that. All I want, it's like the movie 300. Just give me 300 people. In fact, Robin Dunbar, the famous scientist, says we only need 150. So I doubled it just because to be greedy. Give me 300 people like you that listen to the stuff in these books. Then you come and you be my allies in life. Some of you will be people I never meet and acquaintances. Some of you will become friends in person. Some of you will become business partners and allies. Some of you deserve to be my mentor. I shouldn't be talking to you. You should be talking to me. I just need 300. And I want 300 people who are always at the crossroads every day and go, in my desires for good, the good life, I'm not going to act immortal. I'm not going to have 48-year goals. Give me your 48-minute goals. I'll tell you what your 48-minute goal should be. Download the book on your phone. Buy it. Go to the website attached. By the way, I make no money on their website. I don't even know the authors. This is not some sales pitch for me. If you buy the book through me on my website, they get most of the money. I basically make zero dollars. I mean, I might make a dollar or something or less. I don't know. I've got other programs that if you join, I'll make some money. But the book itself, nothing. I, you know, whatever. Get it. Some people are, remember I said the anxious type? Some people, I, I see people like, what is this Thai guy up to? He's, he's doing these videos for free. He's doing this book of the day newsletter. Ooh, what? He must be up to some master henchman plan. I don't have a master henchman plan. I'm not out to manipulate the world. I'm not out to take your money. And if you buy something from me, I give you this guarantee. It's 10x whatever I charge you. Meaning I could charge 10 times more and I could go to sleep going, it was worth the price. In my business course, I'm going to teach you something that lost. If I had known it, I would have made an extra 28 million bucks. So how much should I charge for that advice? Well, I, I would have charged myself $27 million because I could have paid it. Someone had told me some of the stuff in the business thing. And I've read and been mentored by some of the top business people in the world. And they didn't know this stuff. So when people get suspicious of me, I'm like, great, be suspicious. I don't care. Stop listening. I, it, I, this is, you know, podcast, video, audio, YouTube, whatever. Go do your thing. If I don't resonate with you, find a tribe that does. I am not, you know, going back to this, I am not insecure in the things that I know. Never have been. I don't think I know everything, but I'm not insecure and think that I'm a fool. I'm no fool. Uh, I do do foolish things more often than I'd like, but in the big scheme of things, uh, I've been asking and seeking and knocking at the door of smarter people than me since I was about two years old. That entitles me to a level of security. It doesn't mean I'm better than other people. It doesn't mean I'm smarter than, because I'm certainly not. I might be in Mensa. I might have been in super advanced class, but I remember being in those super advanced classes and I couldn't stand, uh, hold a candle to the top kid in the class. So I've been around very intelligent people. 
And then I've been around people who smoke my intelligence. They're vastly superior, but I'm secure in myself. That's why I tell the people that are worried that I'm up to something. If you have a bad feeling about me, don't listen to me. Why have that bad feeling? Go on to do your thing. Find the person who resonates with you. I do not have all the answers, but I'll tell you, I'm searching in the place where the answers are. Tor Heiderdahl has answers for you. So I do the book of the day because I'm humble enough to go, don't listen to me, listen to the books. And I'll put my own little spin and my own little take and some of you will resonate with you and some won't and great. As we said in this book, there's different evolutionary paths for each of us different paths. You may be more anxious or more avoidant. You may be a loner that needs to learn on your own. Just remember that strategy can be a bitch in the end. It might work, as this book says, in tremendous times of tremendous scarcity and loss. But you know what? We live in the world of Google and books and 130 million books published and some of the smartest people ever to walk on the planet being alive. So you want to try your little independent learn on your own? Uh, you're going to be less successful than you would be if you had crossed over the lines. If you're anxious and you're always thinking everybody's going to take advantage of you, oh, I'm not going to buy that book because it has an agenda and I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that course because that's a thousand dollars. And what if I get in there and they just are taking my credit card number and they're stealing it? You want to be hyper anxious? Go ahead. But remember, as this book says, the most successful strategy is secure. Have a little trust, Have a little trust. Uh, sometimes people are like, what are you up to? I'm like, well, how much could I be up to when I give away 90% of everything I do free? What kind of master plan is that? If I want to take advantage of people, I'd make you pay for everything. I paid. I've paid millions of dollars for the knowledge that I pass on. Millions. Both at directly in spending money and indirectly. If that has a no value to you, it has value to me. I'll make these videos. I'd make these videos because as I say, learn how you learn. And I learn by talking. That's a, a per, that's a type in the, uh, Poe Bronson talks about this in the extroverted introverted typing or Carl Jung and the Myers-Briggs talk about this. If you're an introvert, you might do better by writing or taking notes. I know myself or I am, I'm trying to know myself. It's very hard to know. As Nietzsche says, the mind is an impenetrable fortress hard to know. So I thank all of you who are my allies and friends and leave me positive comments. But I also thank all of you who don't like my stuff, who critique it. Because believe it or not, as Nietzsche said, you learn by friends and enemies. Enemies point out those weaknesses that you have. So uh, that's why I said I'm secure like in that. As long as people aren't, you know, completely mean about it. I like when people don't agree with my stuff. As the ancient saying, iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend, or so as an enemy sharpens an enemy. So I want to leave you with this. Buy the book. In the comments here, or in the reviews if you're on podcast, leave me this answer. Which of the three are you? Secure, attached, I'm sorry, secure, anxious, or avoidant, okay? And what? And the second question, what are some tweaks you can do? to adjust your natural style so that you live a little bit healthier of a life when it comes to relationships. Okay? Reach out to me at Twitter. Uh, leave me a review. It helps me if you're listening to this audio podcast. If you're on a video, leave me a comment. I love the comments. I can't answer all of them, but I do answer some. And it's part of a community of like-minded people. Learn 
I don't have all the answers, but the community of like-minded people has a tremendous level of answers, okay? So thanks so much. The show's uh, Monday through Friday, uh, 11.30 every morning, California time, if you want to listen in. Most of them are live. Occasionally I'm busy, so I'll throw up a pre-recorded. I'm trying to do them on the weekends, but I'll try to throw up a pre-recording if I can't do it. So 11.30 California time. I'm excited because we got people in 40 countries watching this now, and it's cool. I love traveling, so I hope to be in your country next. All right? Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.